Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to gopowercat.com's powercat pregame podcast presented by robin's motor company and it starts right now now let's go to the wtc gig powered studios here's your host gopowercat.com publisher tim fitzgerald Following a hard-fought 24-17 victory over TCU last week, Kansas State welcomes in number five Oklahoma to Manhattan for an 11 a.m. contest on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game will air on ABC and can be heard across the 39 station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on play-by-play, former K-State quarterback Stan Weber as analyst, and our buddy Matt Walters on the sideline providing all the calls of the action in the contest. Well, that win over TCU last week got the Wildcats over the hump in Big 12 play, moving them to 4-2 and two on the season and 1-2 and two in Big 12 action, providing Chris Kleiman with his first conference victory. Welcome to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Quarterback Skylar Thompson, who now has four game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or later in his career, has thrown for 994 yards and seven touchdowns with one interception this season. The K-State defense enters the week ranked highly in many statistical categories, including third down defense. The Wildcats have surrendered only 2.7 third down conversions per game this year to rank second in the nation behind only Wisconsin at 2.1. Sophomore defensive end Wyatt Hubert leads the team with three sacks so far this season. Oklahoma enters the game ranked fifth in the country and is led by Heisman Trophy candidate Jalen Hurts at quarterback. The Sooners defeated West Virginia last week 52-14 to improve to 7-7. 
1-0. They enter the game with the number one offense in the nation in both yards and points. Hertz leads the team in rushing and passing and has combined for 30 touchdowns, 20 passing, and 10 rushing through seven games. C.D. Lamb is a Blitnikoff Award candidate at receiver and currently has 31 catches for 681 yards and 10 touchdowns. Defensively, Kenneth Murray leads a revamped and aggressive OU defense with 51 tackles and seven and a half tackles for loss. Oklahoma owns a seven-game winning streak in Manhattan, a streak that nearly was snapped two years ago with a 42-35 contest in 2017. The Wildcats scored a game-tying touchdown with 225 left in the game, but Oklahoma went 76 yards in 11 plays and scored the game-winning touchdown with seven seconds remaining. This Oklahoma team is a little bit different. These Sooners play great defense, but the headliner for OU is once again a quarterback, this time Jalen Hurts. A running and throwing football whirlwind, and here's what K-State coach Chris Kleiman had to say about the Oklahoma quarterback. He's just so patient, and he, and he makes it look, he makes the game look so easy, and we all know the game is not easy, and that's the thing that uh, uh, I, I marvel at. He's a winner. You know, the kid's are just flat-out winner. He, he did it at the SEC level. He's doing it at the Big 12 level. Uh, he's going to do it at the next level on Sundays. Um, just, um, you know, just an unbelievable talent uh, that seems like, a, in my opinion, a, a really humble guy that uh, just loves to play the game. And now it's time to get into the roundtable session, your Go Powercat roundtable session, as we are brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. A little change up this week. Riley Gates is in Kansas City for Big 12 Basketball Media Day, so we uninvited him to the party. Here we have Michael Goins joining us for the first time, making his podcast debut. Go, go. How you doing? Doing well. Good. Uninvited Riley. That's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, yeah we had uninvited him. Uh, we have, of course, Ryan Wallace and D. Scott Fritchin, the regulars, here as we talk about the Cats and the Sooners in a game that uh, K-State, unless something goes really awry, will not win. I know the players hate hearing it, and they, you know, they have to go out there and try to win this game. Ryan Wallace, in my book, this is the most complete Oklahoma team in a lot of years. I think if there weren't a couple other really stinking good teams this year, this would be a shoe-in to win a national championship. But right now we're talking about a team that's ranked third or fourth in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never been the biggest Jalen Hurts guy, the biggest believer in him when he was at Alabama, but there's something about putting a guy that, that is smart and that, and that doesn't make a ton of mistakes and, oh, by the way, can you know run like a freight train in Lincoln-Riley's system you don't ask him to do a whole lot because you're going to surround him yeah. with immensely talented players, a ginormous offensive line. And so, like we've seen in years before, Fitz, it's like the same OU offense that everyone's come to know and hate, unless you're, you're a, you know, a Crimson and Cream fan. But then also, you have a defense now under Alex Grinch that is playing sound, that is attacking, that covers sideline to sideline with all the athletes that they have. So... This is, I would agree with you, I, I think this is the most well-balanced, well-oiled Oklahoma machine that we've seen in a number of years. You and I are alike. I was not a Jalen Hurts believer. I thought, you know, he was kind of a product of the system. He lost his job at Alabama. He's a really good player, With had good players around him in Alabama. 
He's a better quarterback at Oklahoma. I don't know what Lincoln Riley does. This guy can make quarterbacks better because Kyler Murray as a senior was a lot better than any of us expected. It's really impressive to watch. And Jalen Hurts comes pretty close to Michael Bishop's standards for me. He can run, he can throw, uh, and he's got some talent around him. And and to go with that, Michael, K-State can't tackle. They've had problems tackling. And Jalen Hurts can make a good football player miss him. It's It's really worrisome. Yeah, he really is. Uh, I know there was a play last Saturday against West Virginia. He got out in the open, and uh, they spread the field with four wide receivers. He got one-on-one with one uh, West Virginia linebacker and just made him look silly Yeah, and goes into the end zone untouched. So he can make you look silly a lot. It really is uh, something amazing to watch, and he's going to cause problems. And And as much as he can throw and as much as I love Lamb and the other receivers that this team has – it's really his legs, D. Scott. It's his legs that concern me because that can just put you on blast. You can you end up on the highlight reel. Yeah. You know, for as much as the talk has been about his passing efficiency rating, his legs are burning teams right now. He's eighth in the nation, averaging over 8.3 yards per carry. K-State, on the other hand, is 128th in the nation. They are dead last among Power 5 teams in allowing a whopping 5.8 yards per carry. And you look at what Max Duggan was able to do against Kansas State, and that becomes kind of a scary proposition. You know, um, the other thing with Hertz is the ability to break off explosive plays. He has 13 rushes so far of more than 20 yards this season. When you look at Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray in their Heisman Trophy years and combine those two, they produced 15. He has 13 and seven games. It's, it's amazing. It really is amazing how good this offense can be. And Wally, they made mistakes against Texas. They really did. They had some errors against Texas and opened up the door. And, and still, Texas wasn't able to win that game, even though it was more competitive than what I thought it would be. It didn't feel competitive at the end of the day. Now, here's the thing that intrigues me about K-State's defense. For all the times I've been upset with the defense, I've cursed at players for not tackling well, for them being exposed in the middle of the defense, particularly earlier in the year, to the running game. They hold teams down in points. Is there a point level in which K-State can hold Oklahoma that K-State can exceed in scoring? That's my problem is I don't see them scoring enough points on the defense to outscore even an inefficient version of this Oklahoma offense. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you asked that because just this afternoon I went back and was kind of looking for that magic number of, you know, if K-State can hold Oklahoma to X points, you know, they seem to struggle when, when they're held under that, that point margin. And uh, when I went back, it, there are times that Oklahoma has gone into double overtime and only scored, you know, 30-some points and still won. I, I do think 30 seems to be a number that you shoot for, and that seems to be kind of a common number to shoot for with yeah. just about any Big 12 offense. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, the, the thought of this K-State defense, although they do have the number one scoring defense, uh, holding this Oklahoma offense just doesn't, doesn't feel like a, a, a realistic possibility because, uh, you know, when I think about it, you know, and, and Golans wrote a great article earlier this week about Kansas State needing bigger plays. If there's ever a team to kind of look at, um, that, that can get big plays, although they run a totally different offense. It's Oklahoma. I mean, they're at 
.483 explosive drive rate, uh, according to a, a group called Football Outsiders, and that pretty much ranks the percentage of offensive drives that average at least 10 yards per play. K-State is at .057. <laughs> so, I, I mean, when you think about it, I love what the K-State defense is doing. I love the mentality that Scotty Hazleton has brought to this group. I, I think even though their, their numbers are down from a rush defense standpoint, I think the defensive line has been consistent. You know, they're not putting a lot of pressure, but, but they've been able to, to bend without breaking while also at least hurrying quarterbacks, even if they're not getting sacks. But my problem here, Fitz, is it, it goes back to the Oklahoma State game there was so much firepower individually in the Oklahoma State offense. I don't want to really imagine what that means for uh, an offense like Oklahoma that's more balanced and has more explosive players than, than the Cowboys did. Yeah, I agree. This is a good scoring defense for Kansas State, D. Scott. Chris Kleiman talks about it all the time. It's about the points. And he's right. It's about the points. Is it possible that K-State can hold them down in points force him into field goals and create some frustration on that offensive side of the ball for OU. Gosh, you know, you look at it historically, Fitz, and Oklahoma's played some pretty talented K-State teams over the last seven years. You know, not great teams, but some pretty good ones. They, The last uh, seven times that they visited Manhattan, Oklahoma has scored an average of 46 points against Kansas State. So scoring points has not been a problem for Oklahoma. But you look at this K-State defense, and it's surprising to know that despite all the yards they're giving up or have given up, that uh, K-State has, has allowed its fewest points at the midpoint of the season since 2012, which was really good defense. But you look at this Oklahoma offense, it is so hard to, to bring them down. And you look at K-State, you know, giving up 12 plays of 30-plus yards, six of 40-plus yards, and two plays longer than 50 yards in six games. And the the explosive plays, I think, are going to bite K-State. Explosive plays in all flavors, running the ball, throwing the ball. they got two receivers averaging, averaging 22 yards or more per catch. How is that even possible? Well, and ironically enough, it uh, is accomplished in part through the running game. I watched some tape from the West Virginia game. They're drawing a couple of play-action passes. Mountaineers suck up on the play-action. Boom, the receivers are right behind them and uh, have one-on-one matchups and just all kinds of territory in which to run. I don't know what to, what you do with them. If you try to focus in on Jalen Hurd in that running game and you, you go, the thought of going man against them is just frightening. The thought of sitting back in zone is frightening. Everything's frightening. I'm frightened. I'm scared of this game, Ryan Wallace. And really, for me, this is a game about Kansas State trying to get better, trying to do some things that make themselves feel like they've got some momentum, even after a defeat going forward, because there's some very winnable games and for me that really starts with this running game the offensive line is going to go up against a really fast destructive defensive front seven for Oklahoma if they can do some things against that group that's a positive message they've got to run the ball better period yeah I mean they have to and and I think what's been surprising for me to watch this K-State offense over the course of the last few weeks is obviously, you know, you were without Malik Knowles for a week, and you've been without Jordan Brown for, I think, two weeks now. 
and maybe he comes back on Saturday. We'll have to see. That would help a lot. But it, it doesn't matter really about the weapons as much as it does with the offensive line because if they can get a ground game going, it'll open up the passing game. I mean, we've, we've said this ad nauseum for the last three, four weeks. But what, what's surprising to me is the interior of that offensive line, a guy like Adam Holtorf that had been so rock solid um, early on, getting kind of pushed back by TCU last weekend. You know, a guy like Scott Franz and, and – and that group, the, the tackles that had have shown that they can do good things at times, you know, over the course of their career. In France's case, consistently have just completely imploded. But but here's the odd thing to me, Spitz is, you know, with TCU and Baylor, there were some guys that stood across from the offensive line that I think, from an individual standpoint, were a, a lot better, just as far as athletes. Uh, you know, from an NFL pro perspective, possibly better than what K-State has on their offensive line. And yet with OU, from an individual standpoint, there are a lot of winnable matchups. The difference is what you said. They kind of come at you in waves. You know, it's not just one or two guys. It's, you know, linebackers, the D-line, they, you know, they play that kind of 3-3-5. They'll, they'll bring in uh, a nickel to, to kind of wreak havoc. So it's winnable individually as long as the offensive line kind of gets a hat on a hat. And if they don't, then the ground game goes to kaput. And we've kind of seen what this passing attack can do with a limited, uh, although he'll be a little bit stronger, Malik Knowles. Very true. Um, This is an aggressive Oklahoma defense. Without going blitz happy, they're aggressive. They like to get after you. They fly to the ball. Maybe that's something K-State can leverage against this defense, but – this is the first time in a long time, God bless Mike Stoops, that Oklahoma has had a top 25 defense. This is a legitimate big-time defense. And for all we talk about Lamb and, and Hertz and the other offensive weapons, if they win a national championship, it is the Grinch who stole the crystal ball because <laughs> they are legitimate on defense. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better. You know, this team has that potential to win a national championship this year. <laughs> because they have a good defense. You know, when you look at what the job that Grinch has has done, 23rd in scoring defense, 28th in total defense. Last season, the Sooners finished 101st in scoring defense and 114th in total defense. It's just amazing. Listen to some of these numbers. They forced six turnovers, eight turnovers and downs, and 44 punts through seven games while recording 58 tackles for a loss and 22 sacks. And twenty-seven three and outs. My gosh, that's that's phenomenal numbers you're talking about there, and they're not doing it through smoke and mirrors. You're you're talking about a fast front three, front four, and uh, Kenneth Murray in the middle <laughs> just really flies to the ball. Murray just can dominate you. He gets at you almost suddenly, just immediately. He's right there in your business. It's fun watching Oklahoma play defense. It was funny to watch Oklahoma play defense for a while, Ryan Walsh, but now it's it's fun. An area that K-State made a lot of traction in last week, and I thought it was a really positive sign. If you're having problems on offense and sometimes on defense with tackling, you got to be good in special teams. Ryan Walsh, they beat TCU with special teams. Yeah, They might have been even in this or lost in that, but they emphatically won special teams. And one of the things I'm throwing you a curveball here with topics – I love Joshua Youngblood on returns. I know Devin Anktel is an incredible punter. The block punt was incredible. But Youngblood just adds something in there that they haven't had with Knowles injured. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, uh, real quick, just to go back. One, one thing that helps sure. make defenses fun to watch is the fact that, that Oklahoma can tackle. <laughs> uh, that's a, that does help. Uh, K-State continues to be plagued by the missed tackles. But they were, they were a little bit better against TCU. But as far as you know, special teams go, it's interesting that you bring up Josh Youngblood because um, that kind of change that the staff made to – kind of get more get Josh more involved as opposed to Philip Brooks seems to have paid dividends. You know, Joshua just seems to have uh, a natural kind of uncanny ability to read things uh, at a ra- at the rate at which he's running, which is extremely fast. Um, he's a guy that is thick enough to to shed blocks and to bounce around, has a really good balance. I mean, this was a guy that that you know, did play some wildcat quarterback in high school. So it's not surprising that he knows how to read those things. And and obviously as a receiver has really good hands too. So he, he's not as prone to coughing the ball up as we've seen uh, with Phillip Brooks earlier this season. But yeah, for all the love that Devin Ankle gets, um, we kind of expected him to be this good. You know, we were talking about him preseason as I remember Riley saying he might be, you know, a, a sleeper candidate for all big 12, you know, possibly even getting some some All American nods. Joshua Youngblood, though, on the other hand, his move as a return man seems to kind of awoken a Kansas State special teams return unit that was fairly so-so, fairly mediocre. Uh, up until that change. You know, late in that game against TCU, they put Youngblood and Knowles back together. And I'm thinking that's about as explosive a pairing as I remember since Tyler Lockett left Kansas State. Who do you kick it to? I mean, Knowles has already taken one to the house. And Youngblood, you can just watch him and you're like, it's going to happen. Someone's going to miss a, an assignment on the coverage unit, and he's going to run right through that gap. It's it's going to be an intriguing part of the game. Uh, unfortunately, I think Casey will be fielding a lot of kickoffs uh, after Oklahoma scores, so it'll give Casey an opportunity. This series is so weird because K State has shown an ability to beat uh, Oklahoma, but typically. In Norman, Oklahoma has been more dominant in Manhattan than in Norman, which is hard to explain. And they've got a winning streak here, Scott. Yeah, it's it's odd. You think you remember these wins over Oklahoma, but they're winning in Manhattan and often doing it with great emphasis, just pulling away and making it look silly. That that win over Oklahoma in 1996 in Manhattan was was so big, and that's the last time that K State. Beat Oklahoma and Manhattan, 1996. Ni- 1996. Yes. <laughs> it's their, they're in the midst of their longest home losing streak against an opponent since Nebraska won 17 straight in Manhattan between 1959 and 1996. It's pretty amazing. You know, in Oklahoma, we haven't talked about this, not that it really matters, but Oklahoma's 22-game true road winning streak is currently the second longest since at least the end of World War II. Mm. Well, it's they're really impressive this year. It's going to be fun to watch. Michael Goins, what is, let's just say Oklahoma wins. Let's go out on a limb and say <laughs> Oklahoma wins this game. What is your best case scenario for K-State in, in defeat? I'm not a moral victory guy, but you need to be realistic too. Right. I think you would really like to see K-State get some offense going. Uh, Oklahoma's going to score. You guys were talking about keeping it in the 30 range earlier. I think that's for that to happen, you've got to have get some turnovers. You've got to have some special teams plays. 
But more than anything, I think you'd like to see K-State put up 27, 28 points and get that offense rolling and show some uh, some real capability in the run game and some diversification to spread the ball around, run some misdirection, and mm-hmm. confuse them. Yeah, I, I think there should be enough on film in Oklahoma's defense to find some things that might work against them, and executing it's another thing. I'll, I'll bring the same question to you, Ryan Wallace. Even in defeat, how do you measure progress for these Kansas State Wildcats? Uh, going back to the missed tackles, you know, for me, it's just not allowing – uh, you know, it's one thing to have a scheme beat you um, where, you know, Oklahoma runs just a, a better play and they've got guys that beat you. It's another thing when, you know, you've got two or three broken or missed tackles that lead to, say, a 70-, 80-yard touchdown score. Um, so from a defensive standpoint, it'd be nice to see uh, them limit the the huge plays from Oklahoma and offensively, like I was saying, you know, it just goes back. I'd like to see this offense stay on the field, um, get into more third and manageable, which we did see a little bit more of last week, but get the running game going and not see this offensive line get pushed back into Skylar Thompson so much where, you know, he ends up having to scramble and, and be, you know, competing with James Gilbert as the rushing yards leader for the day on Saturday. Here's a question that I want to throw back to you guys, though, as we kind of finish talking about offense. Do we think that Kansas State will score a point of any variety in the first quarter on Saturday? And I ask that because only one team has done it this year on Oklahoma, and that's score in the first quarter, and it was Kansas. Yeah, you know, that's the other side of it, is Oklahoma came out against Kansas not exactly locked and loaded, and Kansas had some effectiveness. I think we can agree that KU might have more offensive weapons right now than Kansas State. Um, While I think Kansas State's the better team overall, I I do like some of those weapons. They certainly have a good running back. they got a good receiver. they got a quarterback who's finding a way to play within himself. But you're right. I'm not sure Kansas State will unless they come out and assert themselves physically like they get against Mississippi State, a good defensive front. They didn't run for a lot of yards, but they set a tone, and I think that's really the key. I really do. What do you think, Mike? Think they're going to score in the first quarter? That uh, I would have to go with no. Yeah, probably no. D. Scott is going to say. I'm seeing two, three, and outs, so no. No. Yeah. That's a no for <laughs> If they go two, three, and outs, then uh, you're going to be down at least 17 nothing in that first quarter, if not worse. Could be 21-zip. Yeah, it could be really bad. I usually have an Oklahoma or an opponent person come in right now and talk a little bit about an opponent, but do we really need to hear from an Oklahoma expert to tell us that Oklahoma's really stinking good uh, <laughs> and Jalen Hurts might win the Heisman Trophy? So let's keep it right here, and I want to ask you a little bit about recruiting Ryan Wallace and maybe open it up to the other guys. First of all, let me cover this. Uh, Dorian Stevens, you know, we've been awaiting his commitment. He's a 2021 kid out of Kansas City. We've been waiting and waiting, and we knew it was coming. He didn't want to let it out. He wanted to let it out himself, and we tried to be really good. If a young man says, I'm going to commit on this time, we wait. We don't hint. We don't give it away. It's his moment. He chose his moment in the middle of the winning drive for Kansas State. And I'm like, kid, what are you doing? Hold on a little bit. Get to the postgame. But that's a nice pickup for 2021 on the outside. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't bash Dorian too much because he is, you know, the pride of my alma mater, Blue Valley High School. But, uh, yeah, definitely a little odd on the timing. Um, but uh, that's the thing about Dorian, though, is, you know, he he beats to his own drum. Um, he's not a big fan, I don't think, of the, of the recruitment, uh, which is why we see uh, him pledging to Kansas State so early amidst a lot of interest. I mean, we're talking Iowa, Iowa State, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma. Um, was very interested with him early on, um, didn't really feel the need to pull the trigger yet. They kind of wanted to see how he developed as a senior. But still, I mean, uh, that speaks volumes to the type of ceiling that Dorian Stevens has. Um, when I saw him earlier this year, he's definitely starting to fill out. Uh, there are some people around the Blue Valley Tiger program that think he's not even done growing yet. It seems like he still has some um, progress to do and will fill out. And maybe we're looking at a six four, six foot five wide receiver that, uh, you know, is a, an outstanding athlete um, on the, on the track side of things too. So, you know, he, he's going to be the type of receiver K-State needs in a, uh, you know, I don't want to say Malik Knowles. I actually compare him more to like a Deontay Burton because it's going to take him longer than a guy like Malik to get on the field. Um, but we saw Deontay Burton start to kind of get his feet wet and slowly by the time he was a senior become a really effective receiver in the Big 12. It was kind of funny. It just, just struck me as ironic as after waiting that long and holding everyone in suspense when he chose to do it. It's, you know, it's kind of like uh, finding out a young lady's dog just died, so you ask her on a date. It's like, no, wrong time. Don't do that. <laughs> no, wrong time. Okay, let's go to junior college recruiting because I'm intrigued by this. Chris Kleiman is not a guy that recruits junior college players. He's not. He's, he's talked about it. I've asked him about it. D. Scott's asked him about it. It's just not something he wants to do, but they have to, particularly on the offensive line. But this week they picked up a commitment from Robert Hintz II. I love your comparison that you just popped out on Twitter with who he reminds you of. Get into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when you watch Robert Hintz II on film out of Northwest Mississippi Community College, uh, he screams Tank Reese, who was another former community college uh, addition by Bill Snyder, you know, in the early 2000s out of Hutchinson. And they play uh, very athletic for what you assume a defensive lineman to be. We as Kansas State followers, fans, have kind of come to get used to the Viola Tuis, the Trey Deshaun's, Travis Britz's of the world uh, that are, are gap pluggers. You know, they're not going to pressure uh, you know, they kind of stay between the tackles, and once things get outside, that's for the guys behind them to, to clean up. With Robert Hintz, he's a lot like Tank Reese. He makes plays all over the place. Um, he's probably not as, as uh, stout, as, as physically strong uh, as Tank Reese was, um, but he's longer. You know, at, at six feet one, um, he goes about 275, 280 pounds right now. Um, and just is absolutely violent, ferocious with his hands, um, can, can get through and, and sneak by double teams. He's got good bend and, like I said, can really run down the ball carrier. He's the type of guy that Kansas State absolutely had to have with Trey Deshaun, Jordan Mitty, Joe Davies, and all those three moving on. They needed somebody that can come in and, and be of experience right away, uh, because they have some other asset that defensive tackle, but they might not, you know, be where the coaching staff needs them to be. You would expect Robert Hintz will be that, you know, 
fit that bill come next fall. What I loved about him in watching his highlights is he's sudden and he'll get underneath kind of the blocking area of an offensive lineman. He'll just run underneath them before they even knew what happened. Uh, he's so quick and like you said, he's got bend. He can get low. He can get around you. Uh, and you got to be a trickster. You can't just be a power guy in the middle unless you're really good at it. Um, and when you're that size as he is, you got to trick people. That would be recruit number one from the junior college ranks. Correct me if I'm wrong um, for the correct. 2020 class. When we asked Chris Kleiman about it, D. Scott, he said, well, I'm not going to do anything like eight. And I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. But, you know, if you want to set that as the, the high end. But K-State really did back off of it. I can see them as they progress into this they, they start to really think about, well, we need an offensive lineman. Okay, we need a second offensive lineman. We've got a D-tackle. We could probably use a defensive end. We've got George Qualls out there at receiver. Let's go get him. And all of a sudden, they're at five or six. And they're like, how did this happen? But come on. This is one of the benefits Kansas State has. Junior college kids want to come here. It's a haven for great players. I say, don't get carried away Ron Prince style. But go do it. Yeah, I, I do think that there's got to be a little bit of sense of urgency when they look at the depth chart for 2020, 2021, and just kind of look ahead that they they do need a couple guys. And it'll benefit the program, I, th- I think, in many ways. And, and, you know, we've seen it before with, with the Bill Snyder program, just, just the way that they're able to groom these kids, bring them in, groom them, and they're able to compete, you know, a year, year and a half at a very capable level in, in, in Big 12 play. Um, I think there can be some diamonds in a rough that they are able to develop into that all Big 12 type body. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what they're able to do, but I, I think it'll be interesting to follow Kleiman and his philosophy and uh, which way he decides to go in the future. Do you think it's going to evolve? Do you think he's going to be here a little while, Michael, and think, yeah, you got to supplement with the junior college guys to keep up in this conference. Yeah, I think that's probably the case, uh, especially with it right in your backyard. I think the imperative thing is to get guys that uh, in year one can step right in the right. field that are body-wise, mentally-wise, that they are ready to ready to go and ready to make an impact by mid-year of year one. Right. Is George Qualls that kind of player at receiver, Ryan Walls? I think George Qualls uh, is a must. <laughs> Uh, you know, in speaking with with him, he's a you know six foot three, six foot four, former Missouri State high jumping champion, uh, who is now at Butler County Community College, is leading the league in uh, uh, touchdown receptions and is number two in receiving yards. Uh, so he's a, he's that big body that you feel like would complement a guy like Malik Knowles to a T, uh, and and really help stretch the field vertically, give K State another playmaker. Uh, when I've talked to him, he's uh, said over and over about what a, a Kansas State offer would mean to him. You know, right now, as it stands, it looks like the biggest offer on his plate is Akron. This is a recruitment that K-State could go in and win right now if they wanted to. Uh, my fear is that uh, we're kind of seeing a tendency uh, that we saw with Bill Snyder, which is kind of wait um, before they pull the trigger, at least on Qualls. Uh, and my fear is that by that point, there are going to be a lot of teams involved because that's kind of the word I'm hearing out of Butler County is that uh, whether it's him, J. 
J.J. Crawford, the offensive tackle that K-State has offered, or Dawson DeForge, who's from right up the street in Lamigo, now at Butler County. There are some big-name schools that are starting to creep into the conversation with these kids, Nebraska being one that, you know, you just hope K-State can uh, lock down. You know, those three in particular would be enormous because they play positions of need uh, that would be bodies, as Golan said, that can go come and, and play right away. So you just hope that you, you can see Kansas State lock up kids um, that are much like, from what I hear, Byron Pringle, hardworking kids um, that fit the Kansas State mold that, oh, by the way, want to be at Kansas State. So hopefully Chris Kleiman and his staff know that and recognize that. I'm sure they do. Um, there's a lot at play right now as far as uh, they're limited on scholarships, at least the rest of the way since they've filled out their class so good this early um, that I think they just want to be careful, but you just hope that they're not too careful and let some guys slip through the cracks. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, how many junior college offensive linemen, they get a lot of offers out there, how many in total will they bring in? I'm, I'm thinking around two. You know, I, I think they'd like to – they're going to get one. You know, where that comes from, I'm not sure – they're going to get one, and it'll probably be an offensive tackle or at least a player that can play offensive tackle. And then I think if they feel good, uh, if they're in, in good shape and, and within striking distance of another, I think they'll pull out all the stops and, and try and get a second. That'll be very interesting to track. And, of course, you can do that as a subscriber at GoPowerCAD.com, 30% off your annual subscription. Or if you want to go monthly, we'll give you that first month for $1. Sign up at GoPowerCat.com. And that brings a close to our roundtable session. Ryan Wallace, thank you very much. D. Scott Fritchen, excellent as always. And Michael Goins, thanks for sitting in for Riley Gates. We never even missed him. We don't miss Riley at all. <laughs> I can't emphasize that enough. Riley, we don't miss you. <laughs> Riley's covering basketball for us and uh, doing a great job up in Kansas City. And he'll be back in the fold here for this weekend's game. And we speed into break right now with the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And on the other side, our analysts await Marcus Watts, Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart to break down the gambling front for the Cats and the Sooners, 11 a.m. Bill Snyder, Family Stadium. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. 
Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company as we take a look at Kansas State and Oklahoma, 11 a.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It is a mighty task for the Wildcats. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Speaking of mighty tasks, we have finally connected on our day with Marcus Watts. Marcus, how are you? Doing good. How did the Cats, in your tenure at Kansas State, fare against the Oklahoma Sooners? Uh, not good. No. <laughs> not good. Uh, I had Adrian Peterson when I was there. So. Oh well, he he didn't suck. <laughs> no, he didn't suck. So um, did you did you try to tackle him? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I stuck him pretty good once. He's like, "Where did you come from?" <laughs> That's what I love about the stuff like that the players say to each other that we don't hear. Yeah, because we were running a spy, which we'll, we'll get into with uh, what I think K-State's going to have to do with Jalen Hurts. But uh, we ran a spy. It was like a cover three, bring one safety down, and I spied Adrian Peterson. And everyone went, I went. Does it work? Does it work? Yeah. It can you just got to have someone that's disciplined to do it. Well, okay, that's not going to work for K-State. I, I well, say that jokingly, but uh, if you're going to be the spy when you're in position, you got to make the play then. Yeah, and you got to be able to tackle. Right. And you got to be able to, you know, tackle well. And, I, you know, K-State has shown recently that they're struggling with the tackling, uh, especially from coming from the safety position. You know, they just got to stop trying to make the big hit. I mean, when I was playing, my number one job was to get the guy down. Exactly. And so I was a below-the-waist tackler unless it was a light-up and I knew that I was going to light the guy up. Then I would go high. But you just got to be smart about it. I mean, K-State safeties aren't big. No. And most of the running backs and even quarterbacks that they play against are bigger than them. Stop trying to make the big hit. Just grab them around the ankles, get them down. That's exactly right. And you get someone in the open field – you got to make sure you take out their center of gravity, you know, take out their legs or knock them off center. You, trying to go for that big home run hit in the middle of the field, man, you're you can't run without up. your feet. So yeah, that was I've, my thing. I just I've proven that. threw my body at their feet and they went down. I remember that Marcus Watts was like a torpedo when you tackled. It's like you'd be right off the top of the grass and just taking people out. It's very effective. I mean, it, it's not, sexy or anything it's not the big hit but it gets the job done and that's what this team needs especially in a game uh like this one coming up this weekend the first guy there has to make the tackle they cannot miss tackles in this game or it'll be a long long day yeah we we just had a round table session a very long one in the first half of this podcast and that was my thing let's be honest in all likelihood k-state will lose this game what positives can you take out of this and one of them for me is being better tackling because if you're not better in tackling you're gonna get clowned pretty bad by jalen hurts so how would you approach this spy on jalen hurts well, you just he's it's a spy, but it's a spy for coverage. Okay. Um, so he can play the low the low the low zone and then you know if Jalen Hurts scrambles, you have somebody there to, to, to make the play. Or in the zone read, you know, you have an extra guy to take on Jalen Hurts and then you have your defensive end 
and even your linebackers uh, take on the running back. And so he just gives you an extra guy down in the box. Does it put some strain? Yes, on the secondary. It can, um, you know, but he just, he can't be, the spy can't be aggressive. So you got to come down, you know, behind the linebackers, eight yards off, off the ball, um, or the ball snapped and then shoot, shoot your, shoot your gap. If, if Jalen takes off, if he doesn't take off, you drop back in coverage. And so you, you, a guy like Goolsby, I think could pull that off, um, because he's smart. The only thing that he's struggled with this year is his tackling. Uh, and so that, and you know, his fits. And so that scares me a little bit, but I think if anybody can do it, he can. Right. Right. It'll be intriguing because it's pick your poison. That's the big cliche. I don't know what you give them. You try to go man on the outside. They've got great receivers in lamb and Rambo and, you know, you you try to focus in on Jalen Hurts. They got running backs that that can get you. It's it's really amazing. Their top rusher is Jalen Hurts, but they also have guys like Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. And Trey Sermon's on his nineteenth year. I feel like um, <laughs> they they've just got weapons. They got so many weapons. You forget they got those guys. Um, and and Hurts brings them all together. I've been saying it on the podcast. I'll say it later on when I talk to Kelly Stewart. The closest thing to Michael Bishop I've seen, the guy can play like a running back and throw the ball with a big arm like a quarterback, should be able to. Jalen Hurts is the real deal, and they need him not to have a good day. If he has a good day, he will beat anyone anywhere because he's that athletic. Yeah, you got to take one thing away or try to take one thing away from Jalen Hurts and honestly I think the biggest thing that he can hurt you with is his running ability I think that's something you have to take away make him beat you passing make him earn it uh, and I think that's what K-State is going to need to focus on in this game if they want to have a chance to be in the game uh, they just not give up the big plays yes you're going to give up a few but Oklahoma lives and strives off the big 50 yard pass the you know 30 40 yard runs just minimalize those uh, and, and make make Oklahoma earn it. They haven't really had to earn anything all year. Everything's just it's come so easy for them. But when you got guys like Jalen Hurst, Trey Sermon, uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, it, it's very easy to do. For Kansas State, they have given up big plays this year. Oklahoma State's a perfect example. But they didn't give up big plays that always went to the end zone. Some of them did, but they have suppressed points in a surprising manner, even when they're having problems on defense with tackling and fits. They still haven't converted those, or opposing teams haven't converted those, into a lot of points. And that's really a key for Kansas State. Oklahoma is going to get plays. Don't let those big plays be scores. Frustrate them. Make them earn them. Make them kick some field goals if need be. Just kind of perpetuate them and almost let them wear themselves out so you can make some plays. And then offensively, Marcus, they've just got to be better. They've got to block better. This offensive line's been pitiful. Let's be blunt. They're just not playing up to their standards. And Kansas State needs to rediscover itself on offense. And if you can do it against Oklahoma, you should be able to convince yourself you can do it against anyone in this conference. Yeah, there's probably only one guy on offense that's playing good, and that's Malik Knowles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's only, what, 70%. Right. Uh, didn't even really play in the first half of the last game, and it comes out in the second half. I don't understand that very much, but uh, he, he, hopefully he's able to go because 
it seems to be he's the only one that might be able to match up with the athleticism that Oklahoma has uh, and be able to, you know, contest and actually get open and maybe make some plays. Other than that, what K-State's shown so far this year, especially over the last three or four weeks, it's not good. And Oklahoma's defense, you know, they're a top 25 defense this year. They're a lot better than they have been in the past. Now they haven't really played a whole lot of, you know, scary offenses. Texas is, Texas doesn't even have that scary of an offense. Um, you know, so K-State's going to have to find something, have to sustain some drives, have some big 80, 90-yard drives, 14-play drives that take up seven, eight minutes. I mean, that's your only chance you're going to have in this game uh, is to keep the ball out of Oklahoma's hands. And then when Oklahoma has the ball, is frustrate them and make them earn those right. touchdowns, like you said, and not give up the big one play 70 yard touchdown pass or 60 yard touchdown pass because you know with a team that scores easy and keeps scoring easy when they have to work for it they'll get frustrated right and, and that's something that you can do and you know obviously they've got some very very good senior leadership on this team with Jalen Hurts uh, and CD Lamb and you know co- the coach for Oklahoma is <laughs> I mean he's a genius um, I don't know how he's still in college football. Probably not much longer. He'll be out of college football and in the pros. Um, but he just seems to always call the right play at the right time, have his players in the right positions, and gets his playmakers the ball, and they make plays for him. He elevates quarterbacks. There's no doubt about it. We saw it last year and now this year. I didn't. I wasn't a Jalen Hurts believer. I am now. Lincoln Riley knows how to get quarterbacks to play at the highest level. It's really, really impressive. Kansas State, I thought last week, showed some signs. Hey, we've got this and we've got that. And we start piecing things together. We got Joaquin Gill that can kind of get open and be sneaky. We got Nick Lenners who can find a seam and make a play. We still got Dalton Schoen. You had him Malik Knowles playing. You got more of a big play guy. You've got things that you can kind of piece together, but what they absolutely have to have is some threat in the running game from the running backs. You can't quarterback draw Skylar Thompson every play in this game, even if that's what they want to give you. You just physically can't do that to him. You have to pick and choose those moments. They chose perfectly last week. They've got to get a running game going. I don't know if that's Joe Irvin, the freshman, coming in and playing a bunch. Jordan Brown maybe will be back. I don't think so. You know, Gilbert's good. They've got to find something. They've got to be able to build the structure of an offense because without that running game, everything else is just kind of piecemeal. I throw Skyler into that running game. He has to be a part yeah, of the running game. We saw it last week that, you know, he had, what, 10 carries? Yeah. Um, and that's important. I mean, you sh- it's, everybody saw it. When the quarterback had a designed run play, K-State was able to move the ball. They lulled him into they thinking they were going to do it. Yeah, every, that's what you know. we kind of talked about. Either they're saying they're not going to run them because they don't want teams to know they're going to run them, or they're just not going to run them, and they're telling everybody they're not going to run them, so no teams prepare for it. And obviously, TCU didn't really prepare for him to run the ball very much, and he burned them pretty hard. I, I think that they need to come out and run some zone read with Skyler this week. Uh, I think that's something that you know Oklahoma's they haven't seen. K-State hasn't run hardly any zone read. Uh, run some RPOs with the zone read where mm-hmm. Skyler has the option to run or throw it, have some design runs for Skyler Thompson. I don't care if it's a QB power. 
I mean, that's the only chance you're going to have in this game, I think, is for one, it'll loosen up the defense and it'll keep them honest on Skyler. So it's going to take at least one defender out of the play. Uh, and gives your front uh, front five a little bit more time maybe to actually open up some holes because just running straight power eye on uh, ISOs and uh, the zones, this, just, this offensive line has shown so far this year that they just can't create the holes for the running backs that are needed to sustain uh, and to have big yards. So you got to do some other things, whether it's the jet motion and run some jet sweeps, uh, you gotta, you just gotta throw some different things at the defense so that their eyes aren't just focused on the running back and where the running back's going. Uh, they got to be aware of what else is going on or on around them. Right. You were a special teams whiz for Kansas State. You were very involved in special teams. Kansas State won that game against TCU with special teams. They made enough big plays in special teams. The punter was fantastic. They got it done. How good was that to see that special teams were such an emphatic part of that victory? I was like, wow, they did something on special teams. (laughs) It just seems like special teams just doesn't have the fire that it used to have over, you know, the Coach Snyder tenure. just seems like Ah, it's just there. We just get through it. Hopefully, not make a turnover or a penalty or something. Shoot us in the foot. Get the ball back in our offense hands. And and that's just for me personally. That's not the way I would be a coaching a team, especially like a, a team like Kansas State. Right. Your special teams has to be part of your offense or has to be part of your defense. Uh, you've got to do whatever you can to try to create short fields, create points. Um, thank gosh they have a, a great punter who can flip a field in a heartbeat and make teams work for for it because if they didn't have a very good punter uh, last week in TCU would have had the ball a bunch of times with a short field Yep. Um, and so you know he might be the MVP of this team so far and it's sad to say you know usually uh, when that happens it's a really bad team K-State could end up in a bowl game and your punter still will be the MVP he's that good at flipping the field he did it to TCU almost every possession yeah, and you got to give some credit to the coverage guys. All right, coverage guy here. Um, <laughs> you know, they got to go down and cover those punts too. And when he's kicking them as far as he does, not easy. It's not easy, but he gets so much hang time on the ball that it allows all of his all of his cover guys to get down there and and, and either make a play or you know get a fair catch signal. Well, it's going to be interesting when the Cats mess with the Sooners Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I don't have a good feeling about it. Why would I? Why would anyone go out and predict a victory? This is a mismatch, but there's places K-State can get better and come out of this a more complete football team as they head into a very manageable stretch of games as they head to Kansas next weekend for what turns out to be probably a huge game for both programs. This is one of those games where you go into win the game. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and TCU. But if something gets out of whack, just try not to get anybody hurt. Right. Go play some guys. That's you got some freshmen. Play some different guys. Play some younger guys that maybe haven't used their four games or, yeah. you know, aren't going to be playing any other Big 12 game, meaning, meaningful games that, you know, it'd be nice to get them some reps in the second half. But, I mean, obviously I want K-State to come out, play well, play hard, um, be in the game. It's just what from, from what Oklahoma has shown so far this year, I just I find it hard totally to see good. that happening on Saturday. 
And now we bring in Brian Hanley, Mr. Hanley. He handles our post-game show, helps us out with the pre-game show, and he is one of our many very good football analysts with GoPowerCat.com. Uh, Brian, should they just bother to play this game? Maybe just call it off, have some light <laughs> snacks. You know, yeah. if, if you're a player, you kind of get sick of hearing this, you know. Uh, but as an analyst, you got to be realistic. But I bet as a player, boy, you get sick of it. Well, you do. I mean, you get tired of hearing that you can't win. You can't win. First of all, how many times have K-State played an Oklahoma team where the answer, well, well, they can't beat them. Yep. And we then we go and beat them. So it's happened a couple of times. Now, granted, we had more talent than what yep. we do in this game. But, you know, as a player, you do get sick and tired of hearing it. And I'm going to expect a spirited effort at least early in this game. I hope so. I hope so. I, you know, I thought last week was uh, they're off rock bottom and they're heading upwards now. It wasn't great, but you know, as you look back, you mentioned it in the post game podcast. It was a pretty darn good defensive effort. Still yep. some tackling issues, which will you know be critical in this game. But win or lose, they have an opportunity to improve upon the product they've been putting out there for during Big 12 play, certainly, uh, and, you know, maybe build a little confidence going into the back half of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're playing at home. That's the first thing. We have an opportunity to showcase ourselves, you know, on a national stage to where, hey, you don't know what can happen. Just go out there and play football. Play as hard as you can. Hey, you get some turnovers here or there. You get the confidence up. You know, the game gets tight. Maybe Oklahoma gets tight. Who knows what can happen? So I'm looking forward to the opportunity to seeing the guys go out there and seeing what they can do against a because Oklahoma is really, really good in all phases. Yeah. They are a really good football team. So I am excited. I know there might be some downer doubters out there about what can go on, but I'm excited to see the guys put their best foot forward and see what can happen. Well, everything about the Oklahoma offense is Lincoln Riley good. I mean, they, yeah. they've got another great quarterback in Jalen Hurts who might be the leading candidate to win yet another Heisman. They've got a good running back. They've got a great receiver. So I don't want to talk about that. They're great. I get it. The difference with this Oklahoma team is defense, and they're playing really good defense, top 25 yeah. defense, when in the past they haven't even been top 100. So yeah. now there's plenty of room for not being at the top of your game offensively and being outscored by someone because your defense can't stop them. They're winning games by just 31 points a game. That's yep. all because their defense is great. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a really complete team. They're, they're flying around. They're tackling. That's what the Oklahoma hasn't done in the past. They haven't tackled well. They always had the athletes, and whether the scheme was good or not, they just didn't tackle people. Well, now they're tackling people. They're reckless abandoned tackling people. And, you know, their defensive line is crushing people. That's one thing. Our offensive line is going to have to be on their P's and Q's. I mean, this is going to be a really big test for them because Oklahoma's front seven is real good. So big aggressive and, and fast. Yeah. It's yeah, that's all that's it's, all it is. 
We're going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to figure it out, but well, I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not a guy that doesn't believe that we can win. I'm thinking, go out there, put your best foot forward, put some pressure, some game pressure on them and see what happens. You know, I, I'm with you. Everyone has a chance. That's why you play the games. Cliche of the week right there. I'm just really frightful that this could get out of hand and right. You know, I don't how do you tell your team, no matter what happens, you gotta, you know, just move on because they could get their feelings hurt. Well, and that's the thing. You gotta try at some point, you gotta try to keep the game close. You got to try to keep, but if it does get out of hand, then you almost have to, and I know this is bad to say, but you got to look at it as a scrimmage type thing where guys don't get hurt at that point, you know, because we got a lot of season left, still got a lot of goals that we can accomplish. So if the game gets out of hand early and that's a possibility, okay, let's take a step back. Let's treat it like this and let's just get through the game without getting guys injured. Yep, exactly right. Uh, Jalen Hurts can make you miss. You can't even get a hold of him. It's He would be an All-American in touch football. Um, He's a lot better, Tim, than what he was at Alabama. I know, he, he now, I know a lot of it's the scheme, and I was thinking the same thing you were. Hey, he can't throw. He hasn't shown he's been able to throw, and now look at him. It's unbelievable. It's like It's like Lincoln Riley's the quarterback whisperer because I yeah. watched I watched Kyler Murray warm up and play a little bit a couple years ago and he didn't look very good and very accurate. I thought they'd drop off and then boom, he wins the Heisman Trophy. And now yep. Jalen Hurts come in, oh, he's not as good as advertised. There's a reason he lost the job. He's a runner. He can't throw it that well. And oh my God. Oh, yep. It's the closest <laughs> thing to Michael Bishop I have seen. He's Absolutely big. He's incredible. fast. He's, a, he's an elusive runner with a with a cannon of an arm. It's just not fair. I nope. feel sorry for opponents, and now I feel bad about 98. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry K-State did that to everyone because exactly. it, it really is amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, he's, real, he's really good. I mean, I, I've seen, obviously, I saw Michael up close, and the thing that Michael got really good at between year one and year two was his accuracy, and it right. looks like Jalen Hurts has gotten good at his accuracy, yeah. which makes it even more ridiculous it is case it's offensive line no matter who they're playing this week whether it's going back and getting bowling green again or playing ku or oklahoma you got to be better they've just got to get their act together no matter what happens k-state needs this o-line to play at a higher clip don't they yeah, they, they haven't played well the last several weeks. And it's, I mean, it tell it shows because the offense hasn't moved. You know, I know the whole cliche thing is the offensive line is the backbone and you can't do anything without it. Well, you've seen the K-State's offense. They, we haven't been able to do much. We can't run in the football anymore. So we got to get back to, do, to doing what we do best. And and it's if it's tricking them, then it's tricking them. Right. You know, if it's moving guys around all over the place, and then and that's what it is. But we got to get back, and those guys got to win those one-on-one matchups because you can't double-team everybody. So there's going to be some times where guys have to win those one-on-one matchups. And if they're not able to do that, the same thing is going to happen that's happened the last three games. We're not going to be able to run the football. How do you defend this OU offense? You, if you go man on the outside and try to take away Hurts and keep someone on a spying expedition against a guy that may not be able to tackle anyhow, you got CeeDee Lamb running around out there. And, oh, yeah, oh yeah, a guy with the great name of Charleston Rambo. They're both averaging more than 22 yards a catch. 
How is that possible well, to have two dudes doing that? It, the thing is, is you got to be able to get pressure with just four guys. Yep. You can't go and try to blitz them every time. Every now and then you can catch them in situations where you can do that. But you got to be able to get pressure with four guys. If you're not going to do that, they're going to get 500 yards against you. I mean, that's just, I mean, they may do that anyway, but they're going to do it in their sleep if you can't get pressure with four. That's the key. You got to be able to get pressure with four because then you have the ability to bracket some of those guys, have a linebacker underneath with a safety over top or a corner trailing, you know, as they're running with a safety over top. You have the opportunity to do those things, but without pressure from the front four, I mean, I'm just being honest, you literally have no chance. Brian, appreciate it very much. I'll dial you up as soon as this game's over, and we'll do a post-game podcast after the Cats and Sooners tangle at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday morning. Look forward to it. It's off to Vegas we go to meet up with Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas all over social media. You can find her at wagertalk.com. You know, your mini-you did a nice job on the video last week, but it wasn't you and I also suspect she's colorblind. Oh, my God. You're hilarious. No, she's great. I will be back for the video this week. She had to fill in for me. I had to move my schedule stuff around. So I, I told her to wear her purple-colored shirt. She didn't listen well. But I'm glad K-State got the win over TCU. A little surprising. A little a little surprising. I, I was pleased to see K-State found a way to win even with their imperfections, and I think that was a good sign. Not that that really matters going into this week. Uh, I think they could play an exceptional game and still lose this. What is the spread right now? I saw it open at 21 and a half. It went up. So it opened here. Uh, Circa Sports is a new sports book here in town. It opened 19. Wow. And it got bet up quickly, so quickly that even everywhere else opened 21. Yeah. And now we're sitting at 23, 23 and a half. I don't think bookmakers move this one to 24. They know that they'll get too much K-State money. Um, I may end up on K-State in this game. They're on my long list circled here. K-State has done well against the spread, covered six of their last eight games. Oklahoma's a machine. They're going to get money regardless of what this number is. We know that we've seen them get money from the public all season long, and rightfully so. Jalen Hurts, running the best, most prolific offense in the country. I think a lot of people are ready to give a national championship to Ohio State now that Tua's hurt. But uh, don't don't count out Jalen Hurts here. And uh, the Sooners, no. this is a lot of points, though, on the road. I was kind of uh, complaining about this on social media when they announced it was going to be a noon Eastern start time. I'm like, God, can't K-State get a nighttime game. I mean, Manhattan, Kansas, Bill Center Family Stadium is so much more electric when everybody's had all day to drink. Well, there's been such a shift in college football. All of a sudden, this 11 a.m. slot is thought of by the networks as the place to be. I don't think fans feel that way. Programs don't feel that way. Poor Oklahoma spending the entire month of October playing 11 a.m. games. They're not very happy about it, but it is now viewed as the time slot, and this game is on ABC, which I don't know if it's good news for K-State, but they want to show Oklahoma because Jalen Hurts and that offense are so good, but they play defense now, and it makes them really scary. You know, but you know who also plays defense and is not getting much credit for it? Kansas State. Yeah. I know that Sanders and Chubba Hubbard ran all over K-State, but I do believe 
this K-State defense is improving week by week. I also think that this is a lot of points on the road. I, again, I'm not rushing to the window to back K-State just yet. I think K-State might surprise some people this week. This is uh, their Super Bowl, for lack of better words. They're going to get told all week long by every talking head on the media that they're going to get the bricks beat off of them. Including me. And, you know, it's it's Oklahoma's game to lose, not K-State's. K-State's already... I guarantee the start of the season circled this one as a loss, and they've won a couple other games that were circled as losses. Mississippi State, obviously, catching points versus TCU. No, I wasn't impressed with them in that two-game stretch, Oklahoma State and Baylor, but don't be surprised to get K-State's best game here. Well, hopefully, TCU represented an upturn. They still made some mistakes. They're still not blocking as well as they need to. They're still not tackling as well as they need to, but they were better and certainly good enough with the help of special teams to win a game. So maybe if that improvement increases, the problem with Jalen Hurts is you can do everything right and he can still make you miss because he is Michael Bishop special in terms of being a running back who can throw the ball like a true quarterback. That is a great comparison, Mr. Fitzgerald. Jeez, Michael Bishop asked. I'm going to use that one today on some of my media spots. Yeah, I'm going to take the points here with the better defense. We've talked about K-State's defense at times has shown some greatness, and I, I really do think they show up here. And speaking of defense, the more I start to look at this, the more I like the under, actually. K-State, okay. seven of their last eight games have went under an average combined score, 42.5 points. This one is uh, an interesting total for Oklahoma. Sitting here at 58 when all of the other totals have been in the 60s all season long. I think that's uh, a very indicative sign of what bookmakers think is going to happen in Manhattan. Decent defense from the Wildcats, but even when they have problems, the opponents don't go 40-plus. They kind of keep them uh, contained, so to speak. It's going to be a supreme test for the Wildcats, and we'll see how it comes out. 11 a.m. kick at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The rest of the Big 12, Kelly, it's an intriguing slate of games. What jumps out at you? Actually, so Marco D'Angelo, who you guys will see on the Wager Talk videos with me, and I were just sitting across talking about how interesting this Texas Tech-Kansas line is. Three and a half, four, some spots. This is the mother of all spots for KU. They had Texas on the ropes, couldn't get it done. Man, that's the first time I've cheered for KU in a long time. I was sitting at dinner <laughs> with some buddies, watching it on the phone, getting yelled at by everybody, saying, how rude are you sitting at this nice dinner and watching a football game on your phone? Wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. I think Texas Tech rolls this KU team. I think KU kind of is going to be a little fat and sassy how excited they were. Remember, I know that Cliff Kingsbury was head coach of this Texas Tech team, but Texas Tech has owned KU. They have just blown them out in the last three spots, and I wouldn't expect anything less than a blowout here in Lawrence, Kansas. So you think Tech's going to go big in this one? I think I think Tech is going to not for one second pull a Texas Longhorn move and overlook this KU team. We've seen teams over the past few years go into Lawrence, have it circled as a W, no sweat, we're three touchdown or more favorites. Four-point favorites, Texas Tech. How downright disrespectful is that if you are the Red Raiders? That is probably my favorite Big 12 game of the week. And the rest of the Big 12, I don't really love. I was trying to make a case for TCU over Texas. But again, now that's the flip side. You know, the public's going to remember, here's a Texas team that almost lost KU. Texas is extremely hurt. Again, things we keep hearing in the media. That defense just is Swiss cheese. I I wanted, again, to make a case for TCU, but I'm not going to be able to do so there. 
and really that's about it uh, i'm looking at the rest of the schedule Oklahoma and state at iowa state and i'd love to make a case for the suit uh, for the cowboys against iowa state but iowa state is superseding my expectations i figured last year as an underdog how well matt campbell did that this year wasn't going to be the same. They lost a lot of guys, and I didn't think he'd be able to reload out of Ames because typically that's what we see. Iowa State, we know that it's similar. Ames is similar to Manhattan. It's hard to get yeah. kids to come there. It's hard to get those four- and five-star recruits. But, man, has he done a good job here. So I don't want to take the points here with Oklahoma State, but, I, again, I'm not ready to lay them here with Iowa State. So true. Well, it's an intriguing week in Big 12 football. Some stuff's going to get sorted out. We're going to find out if Kansas is legit, if this offense is legit, or did they put everything on film for everyone to see in week one of the Brent Deerman era as offensive coordinator? Because rightfully so, they threw everything they could at Texas to try to get that win because that would be program changing, and they couldn't quite get it done, and they did put a lot of stuff out there for everyone to see. It's not brain surgery. It's the run-pass option. RPOs have been all over college football, and once you see their tendencies, if you're disciplined, you can solve it. And I'll... And uh, all I can hope is K-State doesn't allow that to happen. I know that's going to be pretty much a deciding factor if K-State makes a bowl. There's a I'm obviously circling a loss versus Oklahoma. Would like to get the win over Oklahoma State, the win over KU. And uh, there's a couple other coin flips in there. But I think that KU game is going to be very indicative of K-State makes a bowl or not. I agree. Very good. Her name's Kelly Stewart. If you need a proxy service, look up Kelly for that. And she is a K-State graduate. And we go way back. I tell you what, Kelly, uh, I'm very happy that you're doing the Wager Talk videos for us. It's, it's a really neat addition. But I hope we can continue to do this long enough where Kansas State's back in the national conversation while you're doing those videos. You know, that. that- that would be a fun time. 2012 was a fun year to be doing media in regards to Kansas State. And uh, I, I have good hopes. You know, I talked to some former players that played when I was in Manhattan, and they said, are you buying the Chris Kleiman hype? And I said, you know, as of right now, yes. I think he's making strides. I am liking what I'm seeing out of Manhattan, Kansas. And hopefully, like you said, we can get back into that top 25 national title contention over the next couple of years. Well, I think last week's win over TCU was a symptom of a bunch of players and coaches who expect to win because they figured out a way to win a game where they were far from perfect. And you can make an argument that TCU had played better throughout the course of the game. But doesn't matter. You got the win. We'll take it. We've heard from the Go Powercat staff as well as our GPC analysts as Kansas State prepares to run headlong into the Big 12's seemingly unmovable object, the fifth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Subscribers to GoPowerCat.com can read my five keys to victory analysis Friday at GPC. But for now, let's cut to the prediction. Last week, I picked against the Wildcats, and they indeed proved me wrong with a much-needed victory over TCU. This quest is less about winning and more about showing progress. What's amazing is K-State can play well defensively and still give up more points than the Wildcats struggling offense can cover. My prediction is Oklahoma 34, K-State 
13. That will do it for this week's PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, where they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. I will return to the WTC Gig Powered Studios following Saturday's game between the Cats and Sooners. And Go PowerCat football analyst Brian Hanley and I will break down what took place between the Sooners and Cats with our PowerCat postgame podcast. Sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. That's Saturday right here at GoPowerCat.com, your online leader for independent and professional K-State sports coverage for more than 20 years. I am GoPowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. It's K-State versus fifth-ranked Oklahoma. Saturday, 11 a.m. inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You've been listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.